week's edition for the Wise Up TX podcast. This is your host, Ezra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up TX is my platform to inform the South Asian community about Texas and national politics. You can find us on all forms of social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is at WiseUpTX. You can check out our website, WiseUpTX.com. And you can listen to our podcast segments on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. And last but not least, they are aired on Radio Azad on Coffee Mornings with Aisha on Monday mornings. Remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. All right, everybody, uh, we are continuing more inspirational women interviews for Women's History Month. Today, our interview is with Jamia Wilson, and she is a huge advocate uh, for the ERA, which is the Equal Rights Amendment. And I will go into a little bit more detail about that. First, I want to talk about the news that's happening at the Texas legislature and on the national level. In Texas legislative news, we have our Bills to the Boglehe segment uh, talking about bills that may be crazy or very good for the state of Texas. And some of the bills I wanted to discuss, um, one of them is House Bill 3, which is dealing with public education and fully funding it. And this is coming from the House. And the House would like to spend an extra $9 billion for school finance and property tax reform, but it needs to be reconciled with the Senate's version, which is completely different. So it'll be interesting to see how they come together to a compromise uh, towards the end of May. With regards to other bills regarding the Texas legislature, it seems a property tax reform bill that is both on the House and Senate side, HB2 and SB2 is currently at a standstill and hasn't really gone forward yet, uh, even though this is one of the governor's main priorities. There have been several other bills filed, and the debates will probably start happening towards uh, this week. I believe the budget bill is going to be debated, and several other bills as well. And if you are subscribing to our newsletter, which you can do if you go to our website and scroll to the bottom and subscribe to our newsletter, we have a contact information page there. Uh, You will find out more information about the other bills uh, that are filed, and that can be impacting the South Asian community. Now, moving on to what's happening on the federal level, let's talk about 2020 presidential candidates. It seems that uh, Beto O'Rourke has entered the race and has been drawing significant crowds. In fact, he has raised the most money out of any Democratic candidate within a 24-hour period of $6.1 million. And the next runner-up to that would be Bernie Sanders. I believe he was at $5.9 million. And he recently, after the Christchurch incident, uh, went to visit a mosque in California. He is the first presidential candidate to do so. So that's some exciting news for the Muslim community. And uh, the biggest news um, ever since this recording is the Mueller report is now out. Um, while the whole report hasn't been made public yet, while both political parties are clamoring for that to happen. It seems that the overall conclusion from the report is that there was no colluding between the Trump uh, campaign and Russia. So I kind of wanted to highlight something that we saw Hillary Clinton um, during her tenure as Secretary of State and afterwards going through a lot of investigations uh, from Benghazi and her email servers to that really having a negative connotation on her. And it really 
impacted or influenced um, how many people decided to uh, vote in 2016. And I'm very interested to see, you know, with this report coming out with Donald Trump, essentially he's not fully exonerated yet, but it seems like the main point that Democrats were really honing in on was that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia and that's how he won the election. That's been disproven. So is that going to work for him in his favor when it comes out in the 2020 elections or is it going to go against him? And I mean, is it going to go against him and people will have, you know, distrust with him. And I think it'll be interesting to watch because you saw with, you know, Hillary's situation that many people distrusted her but because he's a male i'm curious to see if because of these investigations if more people will distrust him as well so i think that'll be something to watch for in 2020. so now let's move on to the topic of our interview which is about the equal rights amendment and did you know that 80 percent of americans mistakenly believe that women and men are guaranteed equal rights but the only right the Constitution explicit, explicitly extends to both men and women is the right to vote. So to give you a little bit of background on this situation, I am a member of The Wing, um, which is a women's only co-working spot in Washington, D.C., and they had a panel on the Equal Rights Amendment, and Alyssa Milano, this famous actress and political advocate, was there along with Jamia Wilson, whom we're going to hear from later on in this segment. They talked about how the Equal Rights Amendment um, hasn't been adopted by the U.S. Constitution, and they really opened my eyes to the fact that there are so many safeguards that the Equal Rights Amendment would offer for women, but unfortunately they're unable to because this hasn't been ratified in the U.S. Constitution. And so I really wanted to do this segment, especially during Women's History Month, to highlight why the Equal Rights Amendment is so, so incredibly important. And just to give you some more facts about it, which I'm quoting from an article that Alyssa Milano wrote in the Cosmopolitan and another New York Times article, um, which you can find on our blog. But essentially, the Equal Rights Amendment would guarantee equal legal rights for all American citizens regardless of sex, and it was passed in Congress in 1972. But there needed to be 38 states to ratify it. And to this day, we only have 37. So there still needs to be one more state that would ratify it. They were hoping that it would be Virginia. But unfortunately, in the House, this legislation did not pass. So what would the ERA do? So it would require states to enforce laws against gender violence so that police can no longer turn their backs on women whose deaths were preventable. Women are harassed. They are paid less. Uh, than men, and they face abuse and assault at disproportional rates, and the overwhelmingly overwhelming majority, about 81% of women, have experienced sexual harassment, and it will take more than two centuries for women to earn what our male counterparts make. So the ERA would offer sweeping workplace protections by safeguarding against pregnancy discrimination and maternal profiling. It also seeks to end the legal distinctions between men and women in terms of divorce, property, employment, and other matters. And so there is a representative in D.C., Rep. Spear, and she introduced the ERA bill again in Congress. And she wants to make sure that with hope, hopefully 38 states that ratify it, then 
this can go forward in Congress. And some of the things that she also discussed in that panel was that she really wanted to implement a pink tax repeal. So in case you didn't know this, but razors are actually more expensive for women than for men. And she actually had a binder in her office with all the different items that there is a price discrimination based on color, and for some reason, pink is always more expensive, and it seems that women, for the most part, buy items with the color pink, such as the razors. I also wanted to point out, in the Texas legislature, actually, there have been many bills filed by Democratic women about repealing the tax on uh, feminine products, and that would be the sales tax issues, and that really hasn't gotten far in the Texas legislature, and so that's another thing to keep in mind. So not only is this a federal issue, but this is a state issue as well, and I would like to add that Texas uh, has not filed any sort of bill regarding the ERA in the Texas legislature, so if this is something that you find to be important to you, and I think it should be because this is a bipartisan issue, then this is something to talk about to those that are running for office in 2020, both on the state and federal levels. But first, let's hear from Jamia Wilson about what the ERA is and other things that we can do to advance this sort of legislation. So a little bit about Jamia. She is the director of the Feminist Press and author of Young, Gifted, and Black and Step Into Your Power. She also wrote the oral history in Together We Rise, Behind the Scenes at the Protest Heard Around the World, and co-authored Roadmap for Revolutionaries, Resistance, Advocacy, and Activism from All. And thank you so much for joining us today, Jamia. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what the Equal Rights Amendment is and why does it matter? So for me, you know, I, I'm also, in addition to being the director and publisher of the Feminist Press, I'm also an adjunct professor at the John Jay School of Criminal Justice. And for me, it is really shocking every semester when I have first-year students who don't believe me when I tell them that women and all genders are not covered under the Constitution equally. And so when I see that look in their eyes, when they don't understand that the equal rights under the law that it says over the Supreme Court doesn't apply to them if they are um, a woman or if they are transgender or non-binary, uh-huh. that um, that shock is why we need an equal rights amendment, <laughs> because we have a lot of misinformation misinformation out there that people believe that all of us are covered by the Constitution and that the laws um, that are governed by the Constitution apply to all genders equally, and it's simply not true. And there's been a lot of um, framing and messaging done by people who are opposed to equal rights for all people to make people think that the Equal Rights Amendment exists. So it's really important for us to have an Equal Rights Amendment legislation in order to ensure that the entire population is covered, that we have constitutional equality for women and men and non-binary people, and it's important that the information gap that exists is closed so that people know that it doesn't already exist and that we have to take legal action and educate other people about it in order to make that happen. Okay, and, and just to give my listeners a backstory, it wasn't until, you know, I saw that panel with you and Alyssa Milano, and there was another lady there. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name at this moment. Oh, Kate Kelly. Kate Kelly from Equality Now. 
Right. And, and, and it wasn't until that panel at the wing that I realized that this issue existed. So first of all, thank you so much for coming to the wing to talk to us about it and coming onto my podcast to talk about it to my listeners. Cause after seeing that, um, panel at the wing, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that, that this, you know, doesn't exist and that we most definitely need it. And I thought this information needs to be spread, uh, to everywhere. It is extremely important. I mean, you know, one of the things that uh, has motivated me is something that the late Justice Antonin Scalia said, who was very much opposed to equal rights, and we saw that in um, a lot of the decisions that he made and the ways in which he voted, but he said that certainly the Constitution doesn't require discrimination on the basis of sex. The Mm -hmm. only issue is whether it prohibits it, and it doesn't. So the fact that someone like Scalia, who voted again and again and again against equality on many issues, depended on the issue of whether or not the Constitution prohibited gender discrimination, (laughs) um, it was very much motivating to me to want to be a part of the fight that he actively acknowledged and knew that all genders weren't protected by it and wanted to uphold that in order to continue to push forth an agenda that would um, privilege some, a very few, and keep the majority of us from reaching our full access to equality. Wow. And, and you know, as, as a law student and as a lawyer, I will tell you that uh, Scalia, I'm, I mean, he's passed away, but I mean, his opinions were very uh very controversial in a, in a lot of our uh, classes, and uh, I'm not very surprised that uh, he would make those types of statements in his rulings, but talking about Justice Scalia, he's not the only one that is opposed to ratifying the ERA, so why do you think there are certain legislatures or politicians that aren't willing to allow the ERA to be ratified? I'm I'm really proud to be a part of the ERA coalition, and the reason that I am is because the coalition works really, really closely with the lead sponsors of the ERA legislation, and and they work to make sure that they have strategies that um, have up-to-date language about how bills can be introduced to remove deadlines that have prohibited us from advancing. So that's part one barrier to ratification, right? In addition to that, also um, to make sure that uh, the ERA, when ratified, will be able to do all of the things that it's supposed to do within the scope of its protections, including um, constitutional quality as it relates to sex. So that would be sexual orientation, um, reproductive justice, gender identification, um, including racial justice. So, um, you know, banning discrimination against uh, ethnicity and national origin, um, skin color and colorism, and other forms of disability like faith-based, or sorry, other forms of discrimination like faith-based discrimination and also disability. And so when we think of intersectionality, I often think of that being why um, it's important to have this expanded new ERA ratified, right? Right. But also as that relates to the opponents of it who um, still do not have um, full support of equality for people who are covered under that banner. And so to me, I think that that kind of explains why there might be people who are in opposition of it because that would then mean that more of the people who are marginalized um, in our society um, 
will be able to get to gain access to further freedom and liberties that now people who are the most privileged enjoy that being mostly white affluent men right Um, and so i think that it's really about power imbalance and it's about um making a level playing field for all of us also it's about the issues that would then be more equal if we had it so for example if we had an equal rights amendment then the issue of wage inequality and pay equity would be covered under the ERA. It would normalize pay equality, and it would give um, litigators a basis for how men and women and people of all genders would be covered equally under that. Um, Opponents to pay equity wouldn't want us to have an ERA because that would then normalize that kind of equality and it make it harder for them to continue to create obstacles to it. The same thing goes for violence against women and VAWA um, and the requirements that would make states have to enforce equity standards around gender violence. Um, this would also uh, extend itself to issues around immigration and, and citizenship as it relates to gender discrimination and all sorts of other systemic inequity as well um, as it leads to affirmative action. You know, a lot of times people talk about affirmative action simply as it relates to race, but mm-hmm. the largest recipients of affirmative action um, have been white women. And that's really talked about because it's been a convenient frame for people to use to kind of racialize it in the public discourse. Um, But affirmative action is very much a gender justice issue as well. Um, And so all of these are reasons why we need an ERA, but also when you're hearing about this can show you why there are people who uh, have tried to get in the way of it because it allows for justice and equality for all people. And if people are relying on imbalance to move forth an agenda that privileges a few instead of the many, um, then having an ERA would be a threat. But that's even more reason why we need to fight for one. Yeah, and I honestly didn't know that uh, pay equality would fall under that. So it seems that a lot of issues that women face today in, you know, current society um, that we're fighting for, if the ERA is passed, these would all kind of fall under that umbrella, and therefore we would have proper legal basis to uh, fight for the equity that we're we're wanting, correct? Oh my goodness. I mean, there's just so many examples of this. So, you know, as it relates to sports and funding and sexual harassment, um, you know, I kind of think about what Mm -hmm. would it have looked like if we had had an ERA and had a public discourse around the Kavanaugh hearings and a legal discourse around it, right? Right. What would that have looked looked like? What would that have looked like for Anita Hill? So there's just countless examples of why we need an ERA and why this is such an intersectional issue that um, goes beyond gender, really. And it's a class issue and a race issue and an ability issue and a health care issue and an immigration issue and an economic justice issue. And, it, and to be honest, a humanitarian issue, right? Like, Yes, it's a human rights issue, right? And an environmental justice issue, too. Exactly. And so what can we do? Uh, most of my listeners reside in Texas. So as Texans, what do we need to do to ensure that this legislation passes so that it can be implemented in the U.S. Constitution? So what I would really like for everyone to do is to make sure that they stay up to date with where we are with the ERA. Um, 
you know, I know that right now there are many different states that are having conversations in various stages about ratification, but even if your state is already a pro-ERA state, there's work that people can do to support the work that's being done in other states. So I would say go on the ERA Coalition website, eracoalition.org, read about where the ERA status is in your state and in other states, Um, use your social media and your voice to tell other people in your community about the fact that all genders are not equally covered under the Constitution. So do public education and take action. Donate to organizations like the Equal Rights um, Coalition. Ensure that you are voting for legislators who support the ERA. Um, That's also extremely important. And so, you know, right now, I know that the ABA was urging Virginia to become the 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment at the beginning of the year, and there was a lot of work that was being done to do that as well. And I know that also there were many Virginians that were working on that. There were people in other states who were actively engaged in helping to um, create a public spotlight on Uh the legislators in those states, and that's the kind of work we can be doing for each other. Because 94% of Americans actually support constitutional equality. So this is actually a very mainstream issue. It's as American as apple pie. Right. Yes. We still don't have it yet. And what I like to tell people, too, is that the ERA is something that um, was a bipartisan issue. Uh-huh. And when it was uh, first revealed and when it was first codified, and it has never stopped being one. It just makes common sense. And that's why it's extremely important. Okay, great. And um, this just shows to my listeners another reason why um, elections matter, even when it comes to who's representing us in Austin because of issues like these. So thank you so much for joining us, Jimmy. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, would you mind just telling my listeners again, what's the website that they can go to to learn more about the ERA? Wonderful. Yes. So please, please go run to the eracoalition.org website and um, also just, you know, learn about the ERA and talk about it to everyone that you know. But we're getting really, really close. And I know that we have over 35 states that are ratified. So we just need to keep on going. I really hope in my lifetime that my daughters, when I have them, will be able to know a constitution that protects them fully just like men. Yes, completely agree with you. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed that inspirational interview from Jamia Wilson about the Equal Rights Amendment, also known as the ERA. And I hope you all will find the time to do a little bit of research on what you can do to advocate for the ERA on a local and state level. And of course, making sure that this legislation gets passed on the federal level as well. So I hope you all enjoyed the segment for today. Don't forget, check out our newsletter. If you haven't signed up for it yet, you can sign up on our website, wiseuptexas.com. And remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Until next time.